And God's word says this, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of man, O simple ones, learn prudence, O fools, learn sense. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, chapter 8 uses a literary technique that we call uh, personification. Okay, the, the, the writer takes, takes an attribute a positive character or abstract quality and gives it human quality. So we see wisdom personified in this woman calling out. It's a, it's a wise woman who speaks out in the open for all to hear. So notice the emphasis on speaking and hearing. Her wisdom is available to all. And as it is, it, it is right and true. That is wisdom. It's something that's right and true. Nothing wicked comes from her mouth. Wisdom is not known, now we have to apply this, wisdom is not known unless it is granted awareness outside of the person. We don't know if somebody's wise unless they say something, right? They speak, they use words. Uh, in light of the personified wisdom of chapter 8, the woman speaking righteous and truthful words, we leap into now this topic of discussion that we have today of wise speech, and notice that I titled it also text, right? We've become a, a texting culture we, we send messages on phone, we post messages on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever social media that you use. So we are very much, we've moved, uh, we, we still speak, we still talk to each other, but we have also increased uh, texting to one another. The Bible has much to say about our speech or words. Author of the book, uh, Respectable Sins, I think Nate referenced that book last week by Jerry Bridges notes that Proverbs has 60 sayings pertaining to what he calls the sins of the tongue. Pastor Sam Storms uh, concludes this, that there's over, uh, if you add the positive and negative uh, associations of sins of the, of the tongue, there's over 150 sayings within Proverbs. He says nearly one in six of the wisdom sayings of Proverbs pertain to speech or words. Is this important to God? if we see it that much present within the wisdom literature. But this topic's not confined to just the Old Testament wisdom literature. It's, it's heightened in weight within the words of the New Testament apostles. Uh, we see it in Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, and ultimately in the very words of Christ himself. We had a reading this morning where you see Jesus exposes the weight of words. Words, speech, or text are, are weighty, and they are, this is our main idea for this morning, they are this, they reveal the heart of a person. Speech reveals the heart of a person. Now, from time to time, as a kid, I would go and stay at my grandma's house for a few days in the summers, on weekends, and grandma's house was always fun for the most part. She, she lived on four acres out in the desert. There was old buildings uh, to explore. Uh, they had an old like military jeep on the property that I got in trouble for shooting the windows out with my BB gun. 
So lots of fun property to run around. Grandma always had a coupon. I'll never forget this for Long John Silvers. Whenever I went to Grandma's house, we were going to go to Long John Silvers and get those great little hush puppies that they had. And then we would catch a movie, but we wouldn't go to the full price movies because at that time they had the dollar theater. Did they have the dollar theater out here? So we'd go Long John Silvers on a coupon, dollar theater with grandma. In the evening, though, we'd get back to my grandma's house and things could kind of get crazy at grandma's house, believe it or not. Her husband, not my biological grandfather, he had a love for the bottle. You guys tracking with me? He, he liked to drink and he would drink most of the day. And when we would get back, my grandma and her husband would inevitably get into some sort of disagreement. And the things that he would say, I remember this as a child, with alcohol coursing through his veins and inebriation eroding his better judgment, he would speak the most brutal words to my grandmother, right? The, the truth of his heart really was being exposed because the filter, uh, alcohol had eroded the filter of his, of his brain or thoughts uh, to hold back those words he would say. What was hidden deep within would come out. James 3, 2 to 5 says this, for we all stumble in many ways. I stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, notice this, able also to bridle his whole body. Do you see the importance of what we say and the connection to our, our action, or how we're action or how we're perceived? If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey, obey us, right? A horse is a huge animal that's able to be led just by something in its mouth. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James here, the brother of Jesus, grants us insight into the most dangerous weapon uh, of humanity. What is that? The tongue, right? The tongue is the most dangerous weapon uh, in human beings. We all stumble in many ways, and one way most of us can surely grow in Christ's likeness is to control what comes from our mouths, which ultimately displays what is deep within our hearts and minds. Uh, about five years ago, I started having stomach discomfort, and it, it had been going on for about a week, but I had promised my kids that I would take them to an amusement park on my day off. And that day arrived, and I felt just absolutely awful. Stomach discomfort, low energy, and the most crazy symptom was I had a loss of appetite, which doesn't happen very often, like a sure red flag that there's something going on. I pressed forward and went. We went about our day. I toughed it out until lunch. In this amusement park that, that we would go to, we had season passes, so we would actually leave because food's way more expensive inside the park. We would leave and go. One of my favorite restaurants was right across the street, and we sat down. I mean, they, they had steak. They had uh, the best appetizers, and I ordered a bowl of fruit, and my wife said, there's something wrong with you. She insisted on, on going to the ER these, these symptoms revealed a, a deeper underlying issue. This is what had happened. I had appendicitis. Okay, so I, I had an infection within me. It was so infected that the doctor noted it was beginning to leak a little bit and on the verge of rupture. They rushed me for surgery, and I'm thankful right that day that I ordered fruit and that my wife was, knows me well enough to take me to the ER when that happens. 
But my, my symptoms were but a, but a mere sign of a deeper underlying issue, right? The symptoms exposed what was going on deep inside. If we think of our words like symptoms revealing what's going on underneath the surface of our, our body and soul, we then can surely understand the weight of our words, My symptoms were were a sign of sickness in my body. Our words are symptoms of what's going on within us at a deeper level. And that brings us to our first point. We look first negatively, right? Words that tear down. Words that tear down. Proverbs 18.4 and then verses 6 to 7. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites a beating. That sounds like some of my foolish friends from high school. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his his lips are a snare to his soul. Thinking of James's words, we all stumble in many ways, right? We are all sinful and, and that's exposed in the words that we speak. We must first, church, embrace this truth about ourselves if we are to tackle the issue of words that tear down. And unfortunately, the church is often known, the local church is often known as a hotbed for words that tear down rather than words that edify, right? Think about, go to to any church business meeting at a local Baptist church and you'll quickly find out what I mean, right? Have you been there before? Brian has. (laughs) Jerry Bridges says this, be... (laughs) Behind all our gossip, slander, critical speech, insults, and sarcasm is our sinful heart. We all stumble in many ways. The tongue is only the instrument that reveals what's in our hearts, the symptom of what's deep inside of us. The primary sin of the tongue that we automatically think of is what? Someone shout it out. What is it? Starts with a G. Gossip, right? We all think about gossip. It's such an intoxicating sin. Spreading negative information about another person, regardless of truth or not. Right? I've heard that. I'm not gossiping. It's the truth. Right? Did you hear about so-and-so's son, daughter, husband? We should really pray about him. Have you heard that one? If ever there was a sin that reveals self-righteousness in a person, it's this one. The intoxicating feeling of superior, superiority over other, another entices us to speak more and more until reputations are shattered and deep emotional wounds emerge. Gossip, slander, lies, and unwarranted criticism. Those are all words that tear down. Jesus, though, he increases our awareness of where our words come from. Again, they, they reveal what is in our hearts, revealing the core of who we are. There's an instance in Matthew 12 where the Pharisees have once again squared off with Jesus. They're challenging him. And in this passage, we can begin to understand that our words emerge from deep within when Jesus calls out the religious leaders, not for saying anything, but for merely thinking it. He says, I know your thoughts. And then he goes on to say this, uh, Matthew 12, 33 to 37, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by what? It's fruit, right? What comes out of it? You brood of vipers, tough words are warranted at times. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you hear that? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. Notice the emphasis on good there. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, this this should frighten us here. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. God forgive me, right? For by your words, you will be justified. Okay, we make our faith in Christ known through proclaiming that we have placed our faith and trust, our confidence in the finished work of Jesus. We're justified by that. But also by your words, you will be condemned. Heavy stuff. Jesus increases the weight beyond just words coming from our mouths to the thoughts running through our heads. They're they're equivalent. We will give an account for every careless word and thought that runs through our mind and out of our mouth. Moreover, we have to to add something on in a sense because we have a, a newer way of communicating. We must include all forms of communication because in the social media culture of our day, many people don't just say what they are thinking anymore, but also put it out for the world to see on on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. These are are equivalent. These actions, right, the keyboard warriors, these words are equivalent uh, to those that come out of our mouths. Divisive times and the anonymity of social media embolden what is deep within. I've seen people that won't utter a word of rebuke to you to your face, but they'll say the the most hateful and mean things behind a computer, right? Or behind their phone. Just think of any controversial topic and you'll find hatred and vitriol on both sides of the issue. We, we, We found this simply in our willingness or unwillingness to wear a mask during covid or in arguments on the efficacy of masks, right? I have my own opinions on that, but both sides of the issue could spout out harsh words in this debate, right? One side called the other conspiracy theorist on every objection raised. The other side created its own word for those who donned masks. They called them sheeple. You remember that? And, and, and we may chuckle, but it really was an ugly period of time for communication, we won't, we won't even get into the race issues of the day or vaccinations or politics, just to name a few that reveal, reveal our low viewpoints of those who hold to an opposing viewpoint. Church, hear this. I, I charge you with this. I stir you up in this way. Through Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit, we have to be better than this. We're better than words that tear down or, or jockeying for position in society at the expense of another There are are vices where we must demand ourselves this phrase, right? Let's do better. Will you say that with me? Let's do better. And positively, point number two, words that build up. We want to see words that build up. This, This is wisdom. We defined wisdom early on in our first week of Proverbs as living life well. Now, now I confess, I've put my foot in my mouth more times than I care to remember. And this has resulted in in many sleepless nights, recounting conversations and regretting things I've said. Sleepless nights don't result in living life well, do they? There's a better way. Proverbs 8, 6 to 9. 
Listen, listen to wisdom, truth, uh, positive words personified. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is, notice this word, right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. You notice those words, truth, righteousness, right, straight. Wise words, those that that build up are right and true. Wickedness, meaning gossip and slander, should not pass from our lips. But again, remembering Matthew 12, Jesus likened thoughts to words. He connected those together. And so, family, we must do soul work in this area, right? How do we speak and think words that build others up? We have to work on this. And we do it through this, through practice and discipline. Through practicing words that build one another up, thoughts that build one another up, and disciplining ourselves to hold back when when the stumbling aspects of our soul come out, come bursting forth. If we all stumble in many ways, especially in controlling our tongue, we have to practice and discipline ourselves in our speech and where it originates from. Where does it originate from, right? Our, Our thoughts and our heart. We have to be willing to do this, to take correction and rebuke from others when we move towards the self-righteous position of gossip, slander, and critical speech. Remember, I keep saying this, we all stumble in many ways. People of God, hear this. Don't entertain gossip and slander. Be willing to say this, and I quote, when you hear the gossip coming out, please stop. And instead of gossiping, we have to ask, how can we truly help or build up this person? And remember, building up doesn't mean disingenuous flattery. We do that too. We tell people they're doing well when they're not. That's a lie. Disingenuous flattery is it's just as dangerous as gossip and slander. Don't substitute building up for false flattery. Be truthful, right? Wisdom is truthful and right and straight. Paul helps us flesh out wise talk in Ephesians 4. Uh, we'll look at verse 25 and 29. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, right? Okay, be genuine. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, We are members one of another. Then he says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What a charge that Paul gives us. That's difficult, isn't it? To be focusing on on that which is good for building up the body of Christ. Church, let let us strive and practice discipline in the area of our tongue, speech, thoughts, and our our keyboard conversations, right? We don't really type this way anymore. It's more like this, isn't it? With our thumbs. Let us love one another through the building up of the body of Christ, through encouragement and also rebuke, through advice and correction, through love and kindness. Lastly, we have to look at this, words that bring life. Words that bring life. This is going to be my most favorite part of this sermon. 
the greatest and wisest words for building up are those of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The woman wisdom calling the sons of Solomon in Proverbs, right? This is Solomon writing to his sons is but a foreshadow of, of the great wisdom of God revealed in who? His son, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 8, 1 to 5 says this, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals. She cries aloud. To you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. What does that mean? Good judgment. Be of good judgment. O fools, learn sense. Jesus is, this is a foreshadow of Christ. Jesus is wisdom calling out. He is the one who who can empower us to overcome our thoughts and the revealing of our sinful souls through our words and also text. He doesn't just do this through motivational speech and practical wisdom, right? Through another TED talk, but through renewing our hearts and minds. The Bible encourages and promises us as we've been reconciled to the Father through Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit, that we, this is the promise, that we will be transformed. Remember that word. Say that with me. Transformed. We will be transformed. That we will not walk in our former ways, but we will be renewed. This is the power of the gospel. And the gospel isn't just for someone in an unbelief, someone who rejects Christ, that we just proclaim the gospel to them and then you graduate beyond the gospel and you get into the deeper things of scripture. The gospel is all of scripture. It's the truth of God. And we need to hear the gospel over and over and over again as we walk with Christ so that we can be built up, that we can be renewed in our mind. We can be transformed through its power. In Ephesians 4, Paul admonishes the church to not go back to their sinful ways. He says, don't act like you used to. Then he goes on, verse 20 to 24, but that is not the way you learned in Christ, right? That's as a warning. Assuming that you have heard about him, notice that, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, hear these things that Paul says. This is beautiful. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, right? Uh, And our deceitful desires are revealed through what we say, what we think. Now, what happens when we receive Christ? He says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is awesome here. Put away your old self to put on what? The new self, right? We got a new set of clothes in Christ Jesus. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. In Christ Jesus, we have been transformed. The the old self has been put off. The new person has been put on. Because we've, we've heard the powerful message of the gospel. Notice speaking and hearing, how important that is. What are we talking about this morning? Right? Wise speech, wise words. We're renewed through the powerful message of the gospel. The greatest words that can build us up. The most beautiful message that you can speak to someone is the message of 
the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and what he has done. And we can speak the implications of the gospel. There's so many times I've had to talk through and encourage people who are just stuck in in a rut of sin over and over and over again, and they doubt the love of God for them. But listen to what Paul says here, that you've you've put on the new self, you've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ so that the father looks upon you as his child. He sees the righteousness of his son. He looks on you with favor. He loves you. Nothing can change that. The most beautiful message that you can speak to someone, again, is the message of the gospel and the implications of the gospel that we have put on the new self, the new person, Jesus. We don't have to gossip and elevate ourselves through harsh and demeaning words because hear this truth. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul proclaims this truth through the power of the Spirit. With Christ, we have been, he says this, we have been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. Why would we demean and gossip somebody else if we've already been placed with Christ in a position of, in the heavenly places? Why would we do that? Why would we view ourselves self-righteously more so than above what we need to be when Christ has seated us with him in the heavenly places? That's your position, Christian. Isn't that amazing? You've been positioned with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places? Why would you tear down others when you've been positioned with Christ? And the reality is that this position is this. It's not of your own doing. It's a free gift of God's grace and mercy through this, through the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, here's the truth. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But God being rich in love and mercy and kindness, he came pursuing you and calling you. He's positioned you so that we cannot sinfully boast in our position. We only boast in our Savior Jesus. And so we have two implications from this. Implication number one, You've been transformed through the power of wise words. Someone spoke the gospel to you and you received it, being filled with God's spirit and putting off the old self and putting on the new self. That's what you have, Christian, right now. That's the first implication. We got to embrace that. What's the second implication of this message? You are also entrusted with wise words. Commissioned. We talked the whole month of January about the Great Commission. Not just to build up the body of Christ, although we must continue to to proclaim gospel truth to one another, but as missionaries in a culture that desperately needs the wisdom of God. Do we agree that our culture desperately needs the wisdom of God? That it desperately needs the righteousness of Christ? We have that truth found in Christ Jesus. It's why... Uh, in the Gospel of John, what is his first title in the Gospel of John? He's called what? The Word. It's called the Word. I want to end with this charge. I love Ezekiel 37. And I believe it's a beautiful illustration of the power of our words in bringing life. It's a little bit longer. I want to invite you to do this. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine 
what this is saying. I want these words to come to life in your mind. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones, hear this, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, imagine this, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, There were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, this is beautiful. I will open your graves and I will raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people. Verse 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen? The power of words in the word of God, the power of wise words.